Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. I'm going to invite some friends up in a second, which is very good. Um, My first job, I worked at Target in Tagra. I was a customer service representative and I worked in the toys department and the furniture department. And I was terrible at that job. Like I was so bad. Whenever someone would come up and ask if you have anything out the back, this is why I never trust anyone to go and look out the back. I would just go out the back and I would sit down for two minutes and then I would come back and say, nah, mate, sorry, there's nothing there. Just because I didn't, I was just so bad at my job. And you know, have you heard about quiet quitting? You know that thing where like people just like slowly stop going to their job or like, you know, stop trying. I think I got quiet fired because they just stopped rostering me. I think I'm still on their books like 15 years later, but they never actually fired me. They just, I, they just didn't roster me again. But part of it, I think, was actually I didn't realize at the time, I was young, but I didn't realize at the time that my work was actually a really important part of my discipleship. That what I did, how I acted, how I treated people, and the actual work I did with my mind and my hands is actually part of who I'm becoming. And I think if I had known that, I would have tried a lot harder in that job, but I didn't care. I didn't care at all. Part of our role as followers of Jesus is to actually learn that what we do with our hands and our minds and our mouths and our time is actually a reflection on the kingdom of God. It is a partnering with bringing heaven to earth. It is part of our vocation, like I was talking about, that was given to us right in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Uh, there's a Japanese concept called ikigai. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's about if you find your ikigai in life, your purpose in life, the thing that brings you meaning in life, particularly with your work, then you found a good thing. And the Japanese talk about you know searching for their whole life to find their ikigai. And um, that's awesome. And I imagine some of us in this room have found that found the thing that we feel like this is like our purpose, our vocation. This is what we're on earth to do. That's a great thing. Frederick Buchner said this, said, our vocation is where our greatest gladness and the world's deepest need to meet. You know, that, that space where our greatest joy and the world's deepest need to meet, that's our kind of vocation. And that's well worth pursuing. And that's awesome to find that. And it's, and it's worth devoting your life to trying to find that thing that you put on this earth to do. But also, I want to realize that for most of us, we don't have that. We're just kind of doing jobs. We're just where we are. We're doing whatever's in front of us because that's what we have to do. We've got to put food on the table or that's where we ended up. And most of us are searching for that or, or trying to find it or we're just in a season of life where we're not where we want to be. And I was encouraged this week in Colossians chapter 3. This is Paul writing to a church in Colossae. And he says this in verse 22, slaves, so he's talking to slaves, which was a big deal. Slaves wouldn't ever normally get written to. So it's massive that Paul's talking to slaves. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 
And so this is like Paul's writing to people who hadn't found their ikigai. Like slaves, I, I imagine it wasn't their dream job, you know? Like the, the place they found themselves. They were just there, forced to be there, forced to work. And Paul's advice to them is work as if you're working for Jesus, as if your boss is Jesus, not your earthly master, but Jesus himself. And I think that is a good encouragement for any of us that find ourselves in a season where we don't feel like we're doing what we want to do or we're unsure of what we want to do, that whatever you do, whatever it is you put your might and strength to, do it as if you're serving the Lord. So with that said, I want to invite some friends up. Can all those people that are coming up, come up, Jill and Jalen, Kayla, Fran, Joey, welcome up. You can give them a round of applause. Don't step on any of the precious items. Yeah, you can sit next to me. Wonderful. Lovely to have you here. I, I tried to get a range of people from different, different backgrounds, different perspectives, different sectors of work. And I just want to hear a few things from them, not as experts, but as fellow followers of Jesus, trying to work this out, like integrating our faith and our work. So can you, Jay, you can start, just tell us who you are, what you do for work. Okay, so I'm Jalen, if you haven't met me, my wife is over there, and I have four kids running around. So in a way, I feel like being a husband and a father is a big job. It's a very important job as a, as a follower of Jesus. But day to day, I am a builder with build many things, mostly houses. So that's what I do. Yeah. I'm Fran, for those that haven't met me. Same here. First and foremost, I'm a mum. My husband Sam's at the back with Billy. She's one and a half. And then two mornings a week, I help run a food and nature play group for preschool aged kids. I'm Kayla and I'm not a mum. I am a high school teacher and year advisor. My name's Joseph. I'm a doctor. I work in the hospitals and at Grace and Hope Medical Care. Hi, I'm Jill, a mother of four, soon to be 12 grandchildren. <laughs> and I am retired now, but in my part-time work life, I was a pediatric physio. So good. That's awesome. I think um, it's, it's really important to know that our our work varies across different sectors and spheres, varies from paid and unpaid, but we all have something that we work on. We all have something that we devote energy and time to. So Jill, we'll start with you again. How, how do you see your, your kind of life now, retirement, grandma, how do you see that aligning with the kingdom of God? With linking in with God, what was the last bit? How, how do you see it aligning with the kingdom of God? Like how, how do you see that part of you as part of your following of Jesus? I think I, I think it's fair to say that I feel all of it as as much as I you know, as much as I can and as much as I do whatever I do that there's behind that being encouraged in my faith and seeking to be able to share Jesus however that may look like. Yeah. That's awesome. Joseph, Doctor Joey, how do you see your work aligning with the kingdom of God? I think uh, Jesus' ministry is a ministry of healing, and I get the opportunity to participate in that, not just their physical well-being, but also their emotional one. 
in the hospital, I like to refer people to the hospital chaplaincy service when I can, especially people with like mental health conditions and stuff like that. And it, in the clinics I work at, they're Christian clinics. So the paintings on the wall have Bible verses on them. That opens up opportunity to have conversations with patients as well, especially with them being in a vulnerable state. So it's a very good opportunity. That's awesome. What about you, Kayla? Um, I work in a Christian high school, so I think we have the privilege of being able to talk to God, talk about God and to God every day. And so there's a lot of room for that. As staff, we pray together in the morning and do devotions together every morning to start our day. So we're reminded of what our purpose is. And yes, we're a school, we're still there to teach curriculum and ensure academic growth. But very much I feel the, our main priority is character and spiritual development and what students are going to be like when they leave school and go out into the world, not what HSE marks they get. And a cool part of that is we all get a homeroom of 12 to 15 kids of the same sex that we meet up with every day. We call it devotions and we pray together, we read the Bible together and that kind of thing. And that's just, yeah, a really cool part of what we do every day. It's awesome. I guess part of being a stay-at-home mum is the reality is that you're quite literally could be raising the next generation of Jesus' followers. So that obviously comes with a big responsibility, knowing that your child is looking at your every single move and word um, and learning from that. So, yeah, I would say that most of what I do for most of my day is just trying to yeah, align myself with the kingdom of God, knowing that my daughter is watching everything. And then I think as well, part of being a mum is a lot of it is with my daughter, but also just like getting out in the community with other mums and yeah, building relationships there and just loving on them in different ways. And then I think the work that I do with the food and nature play group, I know it might sound a little bit hippie, but also there is an element of like health and healing there. We do a lot of like growing food and cooking and stories because it's preschool aged kids. So yeah, there is kind of an element of healing through that and yeah, relationship building with the mums that come along to that as well. So good. Jay? Yeah. So I mean, as a as a builder, I mean, you're dealing with lots of different clients and but as I mean, our company is called Legacy, Legacy Building and kind of like the concept of, of our company and kind of meaning behind it is, I guess you'd say like the wording around it is like we create spaces, we try to create spaces with our clients that foster connection in the home. So we do try really hard to kind of connect with clients and help them create those spaces, whether they're looking for that or not we try to embrace that because we know more a lot like Frey and I and our family how important that is like to create spaces that foster connection in the family so that's a huge part of 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 our company and i guess just like again as a father like yeah being that helping point our children towards Jesus as they grow and mature into followers of Jesus and yeah Stuff like that. So good. I love how varied that is in, in people's approach. You know, some people can be really open about their faith <clears throat> and others it's just about how you how you operate and live. And I reckon that's so important that and, and none of that seems forced, like you're trying to force something down your throat. And it's like it's the theme came up again, like you, you mentioned it, Fran. It's like so much about who you are because because your your daughter's watching, you know, and, and she's becoming who you are. 
And I love that quote. There's a quote from Ruth Haley Barton that says, the greatest gift to those that you're serving or leading is your transforming self, that you are becoming more like Jesus. And that is the gift you offer the world. That's awesome. Jay, we'll start with you again. How, how do you find it hard to integrate your, your faith and your work? Like what, what are the challenges you see in, in that? This one I actually struggled with for a while to think about. I was like, man, I don't even, what's, what's hard about it? And then I was like, is that a bad thing? Maybe I'm not like, my faith's not like strong enough in my work. And I'm like, there's not enough, I don't know, like persecution, I guess you'd say, but like, I don't know. But then, I don't know, talking to Freya about it. And I guess a big thing is for me, I've kind of overcome this a lot, but asking for money, like when you've done a job, whether you've quoted it or not, you still, that concept of like sending an invoice for a lot of money sometimes, it's, it's, it feels hard. Like, and especially like as our company, like we feel the value of like ethically charging, which is hard because like a lot of times when you build stuff, a lot of clients want stuff for cheap. Like they want something to be done as cheap as possible because they know it's going to be expensive. But as a company and you charge ethically, that actually doesn't mean that at all. Like we give our employees good pay. We're all our subcontractors. We make sure they're paid well. And so when it comes down to like, yeah, sending invoices or billing people, yeah, that can be that can be hard. But we do a pretty good job of like kind of explaining that to clients and letting them understand that how we run as a company and why we do the things we do, like why it's cost this much or why we do this so that was the biggest thing especially like you know we offer a service and it's hard not to not to do stuff for free and i definitely struggle with that like i would i would if it wasn't probably for freya like being on my case or if any of you've kurt met kurt yet kurt works for us too and he's on my case too like making sure we charge enough because we still have to live like we still have to make money and i have to support my family and you know and so that was definitely the biggest struggle I find in all of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mel was a freelance hairdresser for a long time. I feel like we lost money every year because <laughs> she just wanted to give stuff away for free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Fran, what about you? I think I struggled answering this question as well because I was trying to think of how I find it hard and I think it's almost the opposite. I find it quite easy to align my faith and my work being stay-at-home mom and whatnot. I think it's, yeah, it's almost like the other end of the spectrum in that I love being a mother and I love my job to the point where it doesn't really feel much like a job at all. And so it's easy just to kind of do those things purely just because I enjoy it and it's fun and it's good. And I forget to bring it back to God and have him as the purpose behind what I'm doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's easy to kind of just go along with it because I love it and I enjoy it. So I think probably the hardest part is just constantly reminding myself of the purpose behind why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. That's really good. I found it hard. I was raised in a non-Christian family, so I've become a Christian as an adult. So being in a school where a lot of kids have been raised Christian, at times when I've been wrestling with things on my own faith journey and working through my own questions and doubts, I've found it hard sometimes to not feel guilt and shame about showing up every day and being a role model for kids and sometimes feeling like maybe I'm a bit of a fraud because I'm questioning this or I'm looking into this and talking about this with people. But I've really been able to work 
work through that a lot with some amazing mentors at school and at church. And I've actually lent into being vulnerable about that with kids. And I was year 12 year advisor last year. And I remember a devotion where I was like to the kids, this is what I've experienced in the last few years. This is how I've worked through it. These are some of the books I've read, the audio podcasts I've listened to. This is where I am at now. And I've come a long way. And I think I felt so scared about being that vulnerable with kids. And I did have a bit of a vulnerability hangover after that. But I found it so powerful, the conversations that opened up with teenagers. Like I still see some of my year 12s now. I've got two of them here today for the first time at Greenhouse because they're looking for a church community that they can fit into. So I think being honest about my own struggles to find where I fit into all of this has allowed them to be real about their struggles and their questions. And so it's been beautiful for both of us. It's strengthened my faith a lot and I think it's helped them a lot too. That's awesome, Kayla. Yeah, I find the same in my work as a doctor. I find that it's a good embodiment of my faith. There is some struggles with getting to church on a Sunday though with it. But yeah, we're working on that and I find that it does align very much with how I serve people and like being with them being in a vulnerable situation that you have the ability to empathize with them and build them up. So you have a really big impact in that way and that's a very big privilege. I think you are you wanted me to talk about entering into retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah a couple of things is that I remember I'm I'm a I'm someone who needs to process things and so Nicole our youngest was 16 when I started to almost freak out the thought of an empty nest it didn't happen for another eight years but in that time I I went through and I would I'd say to Steve what are we going to talk about like what what is there and it was yeah a time of just having to sift through that and then 13 years ago when our first grandchild was born uh, oh, and during the night as we were waiting to hear, you know, what it, what they'd have, it was very clear to me that, that God was saying, it's not all about you, Jill. All night, those words were, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. With with the image of the fact of, and, and the, the other part of that was just, you know, God saying, it's Bron and Ben's turn, you know, it. It's their time now. It's not yours. You've had your time in that. But then growing into the fact of and the the understanding that in life there are firsts all the time that we we need to face. You know, it's the first time you let someone hold your baby. It's the first time you go to school. It's the first time whatever. And uh, spending some time with a, a, a pastor that we had had a lot to do with years ago at 90, was talking about the fact that they had become great-grandparents and, you know, what an honour that was. But the message for him was basically the same, yet that they knew that they needed to step back to let their children be grandparents who were being grandparents for the first time. So there's it, and I guess in all of that life, we we never stop learning and there's always there's always more. And so, yeah, I know that doesn't really answer the question, but that's... That's great. That's helpful. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah. Nice. Fran, I've got a question for you. I, I, know, I know a lot of mums, 
particularly mums who've had a vibrant faith before they have kids and then they have their first kid and it's like your world just kind of explodes and it's a different way of operating in the world. How have you found that transition? Have you found that to be the case? And kind of what does that look like for you now? Yep. Obviously recognizing that everyone's journey into motherhood is completely different, but speaking for me personally, I think I'm definitely someone that thrives on routine. And when you have a newborn, there is no routine whatsoever. You think you might wake up early and read your Bible and then they're awake at 4.30 or 5am and there goes that plan. So I think for me, definitely those first couple of months was just like total I don't even know what the word is. Like, I I think I remember speaking to you about it in that I'm very thankful that I always felt very like deeply rooted in my faith, but in terms of just like those spiritual disciplines of being able to spend time reading your Bible or like quality time just sitting and praying just were like almost non-existent. I just like could not figure out when to find time to do those things. And I think it's because I was very much trying to do what I was doing prior to having a baby where it's a longer amount of time. And so, yeah, that was definitely hard. And I think it's definitely changed now just to finding small pockets throughout the day. So it's a lot more consistent and it's just different and beautiful in its own way. Definitely not always easy and definitely not perfect, but yeah, it's beautiful in its own way. And I think even just yeah, like finding moments when I'm stuck in a dark room, rocking my child to sleep instead of feeling frustrated, just using that moment just to pray really. Yeah. So that's looked very different, but I think as well, um, it definitely deepens your faith because you just have no control over what your child is going (laughs) to do to a certain extent. And yeah, I think obviously for me in my life, like it's easy. I have a certain element of control over my life and how I want to live it, but I don't have that over my daughter. And so there's this real balance of knowing I have a responsibility to, yeah, like raise her and point her towards Jesus, but also acknowledging that I don't have control and that I really just have to surrender and just trust God in that. So I think, yeah, since becoming a mum, my faith has definitely deepened in terms of just surrendering a lot and trusting in God more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's an awesome book called Domestic Monastery, which, talk, which talks about motherhood or particularly mother parenthood, but particularly motherhood is the closest thing you get to being a monk because you get kind of closer away from social life and you're like, you know, monks have like fixed hour prayer, the bell rings, they have to go. And so like there's this whole external system that like determines when they do what. And it's kind of like that with a baby, like you just at at the will of this little thing. And you can either fight that because you miss what you had or lean into it and use it as a a way of formation and and closest to Jesus. So that's awesome. Joey. I'm interested, I know there's a bunch of people that do shift work. I'm interested in how you found that impact on your faith in terms of, you know, working different hours, you know, like it messes up your schedule, all sorts of stuff. How how have you approached that as a follower of Jesus? Yeah, so the shift work is, yeah, not predictable and it's all over the show. But I find that leaning on Christ and his, he's the stability in my life, like trusting in Jesus. He's the one that grounds me. And particularly in terms of the instability of the shift work and instability of patients and even like others, like they would need to lean on me and I provide that stability for them. And I get that from Jesus and I get my joy in work from Jesus as well. And he's the thing that 
stops me from being burnt out in work. So it's, it is challenging, but it's able to be overcome. That's awesome. Nice. Kayla, you, you took on quite a lot of responsibility at work quite early. Your advisor very quickly, new Christian in a lot of ways. And so like a lot of responsibility, spiritual responsibility in that as well. How did you approach that? Like being shoved into more, more responsibility than maybe you were ready for. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Two things. I realized that if I was going to lead and mentor others, I really needed to make sure I was filling my cup spiritually and investing in my own faith journey. And that looks like a number of things, making sure I was going to church, joining a dinner party, created a triad with Lauren and some other girls from Narara, making sure I was reading my Bible and just chatting to friends and chatting through any questions, doubts, whatever I was having, so that when students asked me those same questions, I could start to figure out responses to that. So yeah, investing in my own faith really helped me. I think also just leading humbly and acknowledging to kids like I am not the expert or the wisest person in the room. A lot of you will know a lot more than me. And so being a facilitator, creating a safe, warm, loving space where we can all be authentic and honest. I've started a Bible study with some of 12 of the 12 girls that graduated last year were keen to keep catching up. So we're doing a monthly Bible study and I guess just life check-in, sharing high and lows. And I leave that feeling so inspired and passionate and encouraged because of what the other girls are sharing. So I might be the leader um, and the mentor in the room, but I'm really just facilitating and creating space and they're nourishing me just as much as I'm trying to lead them. So that's been really cool. That's awesome. Jill, do you, do you have anything to say to people that maybe, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 years away from retirement? Do you have any advice for them in terms of preparing for that phase of life, you know, that different phase of life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. It was, well, I, th- I, I think one of the things is just being open to that whole thing of, of change, that life changes and you've got different seasons happening and it, it doesn't end when you start, when you go into retirement. For me, it wasn't a major. I was doing part-time work, but it was, I, I found my, my heart was just still sort of involved with mums and their babies and, and older kids as well that I don't, I mean, I don't even feel now that I'm in retirement in a, in a sense. But I think one of the things, I was thinking of, well, what I've done with other, you know, people that are older than myself, I've really valued watching and being part of people's people's lives, and mostly women, I guess, as they've gone through and entered into old age and and heading towards their own death and how they approach that, and and I've just felt really privileged and enriched in times of being able to spend time with people so it's it's me looking ahead to to be encouraged by those that are ahead of me to then be able to share with those that are behind behind me and it it works sort of both ways they they can encourage me and I can encourage I can encourage them and and I just think being open and honest with yourself 
that life is changing and your body's changing. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that really significantly at the moment. It's like, whoa, wait a sec, I, I was able to do that a year yeah. ago. What, you know? And it's like, oh crap, you know, things, uh, <laughs> things are not working as they should. But, but seeing it in, in a positive sense and, and I guess coming back down to just taking one day at a time value what you have and do what you can do when you can and that that process of if you're prompted to do something maybe it's a good thing to do don't put it aside and yeah that's awesome thank you Jill Jay last one you you're a builder but you're also a business owner you've got employees how do you approach having employees as a follower of Jesus I feel like we should ask them. No, I'm just kidding. There's a there's a couple in the room. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, as a builder or a carpenter, usually when you have employees, you're you have them for a solid four years minimum, usually, if usually they start with an apprenticeship. So I've had one I guess it's more than just having an employee, especially if they're with you for a number of years. It's a mentorship. It's it's a training them with skills, not like just physical skills, but just life skills because you're with them every day and you're preparing them for a career that they're going to do for the rest of their life. So it's 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 more than just giving them the skills to to do what they do, although that is very obviously important in in our industry, but it's also giving them the ability to think ahead and like be competent and how to talk to to people like clients other trades other employees that you have because you kind of create like a family in a way like it's you know it's 4 years is it actually it goes by fast but i mean when you when you're with them every day like it's it's a long it's a long period of time and usually they're young too so like you know i'm dealing with like fresh out of high school or 16 year old sometimes but also like you know that out of high school and they're moving out it's a it's a tricky time of life for them too so like being there for them in helping them kind of make decisions because you know they're making big life decisions as well but then also like yeah just being there for them and being able to share Jesus with them because not all my employees are Christians either and I'm not like strictly just going to employ someone who follows Jesus so that's a big a big thing too like being able to share my faith with with those people is huge and not only just like speaking it plainly but also just leading by example like you know we have a pretty good culture at our company and like we actually get commented on a lot by clients on how polite or you know we don't nobody swears in our company everyone is super talkative everyone's like super kind and that goes a long way and a lot of clients really appreciate that especially because like they got kids around or you know so i feel like yeah it's 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 more than just having employees it's having someone who you can mentor for for years to come and train them for multiple things in life so yeah. So good. Awesome. Well, can we give these people a round of applause?